Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. It's time to bring the orange once again with somebody I love talking to, another master of the microphone, Mr. Ralph Ronzio from our Pure One team. Ralph, welcome to the show. Rob, thanks for having me. This is so awesome. I can't believe I've been here all this time and I haven't been on this podcast yet. So um, I'm super, super excited. Long, long time overdue. And it just seems like I'm catching up on people these days that I've wanted to have on all along. And you are definitely one of those. And you've, you've had quite a career here at Pure, former systems engineer, competitive team. And now you've landed yourself a really great fun role in the uh, Pure One team. Uh, how is that going for you? It's good. It's been a fun ride here. I mean, obviously I started, I wasn't quite in the early, early days. It was 2015, but you know, the company has gone through such a huge growth spurt. And so it's, it's been, it's been an exciting ride, no matter what role I was in here, but, uh, but I'm, I've always sort of been more of a, I want to be in front of the camera. I want to be more of an evangelist type of a, uh, in a, in an evangelist type of a role. So this role in marketing in the DTSG group is like really just like right up my alley. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely perfect. And I love some of the things you're doing over there. So we'll plug that really early so I don't forget. But you have <laughs> a new, you have a new, let's call it like, almost like a weekly digest, right? That you're, that you're, that you're calling um, Tech Bytes or Digital Bytes. Sorry, I messed up the name already. And that's just you. That's just you riffing and talking about great things in Pure One and putting it out in a really fun, engaging, interactive um, format. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, we kind of found that, you know, some of these longer, you know, sort of the long form demos and videos, they just people, if you look at the analytics behind it, people don't stay for very long. So they'll watch a video for a couple minutes and you only have like 30 seconds, you know, sometimes even less, sometimes 10 seconds or less than that to capture someone's attention. So the idea was how can we sort of like reboot a fun show, get a lot of content out there, but do it in small, you know, small snippets so that they get enough that they, 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 they can leave going, all right, I get gain some value out of that, but they didn't hang out for 10 minutes for maybe only a minute or two of content that they actually needed. So, and I also think nowadays, including myself, people's attention spans aren't quite what they used to be. So you got to like get in and get out, like give me the data and then I'm out. Cause I got other stuff to do. Well, and it's very valuable, right? Because as we were just chatting before we started recording, there's just so many rich features and value added things in pure one. And if people don't know they're there, they can't access them. They can't uh, they can't go leverage them and add value into what they're doing operationally. So check that program out. Check out Digibytes. I shortened it to Digibytes because that's what I do. <laughs> I write you guys, but Digital Bytes, it's out there. Uh, you can find it out on YouTube, on the Pure Storage channel, as well as on social channels that we have. So super exciting. Looking forward to seeing more of what you're doing in that space. And uh, I want to talk Pier One, but before we get into that, I got to go to one of your hobby things because your hobby is uh, aligned to one of the things that I have a passion for. Now that I don't have games or tinker or whatever, but certainly I've got emulators and play. But but retro video games, how did that all come about? That's just that's just something you do in your in your very tiny little bit of spare time. <laughs> yeah. So before I had kids and before I was married, I bought my first arcade machine, and it was a Galaga. And it was, I think it was in like 2000, it's like 2000 timeframe, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, I just fell in love with the idea at that time, you know, arcades were starting to sort of fade. And so I was like, well, I've always wanted to have one in my house. And so someone was selling one locally, so I bought it. And that started this, this crazy hobby from that point forward. It was like, oh, one machine became two machines, became three, became storage units, you know, so it's, uh, and I have some in the house too, but there are, there are machines in storage, but I, it's late, lately I've had more 
fun restoring them than actually playing them. I like fixing them up so that uh, other people can enjoy them. You know, my kids, they've kind of had ages where they're not as excited about it anymore, but there's like a whole generation of like people that never experienced these games because the arcade culture really is, is pretty dead outside of things like Dave and Busters and facilities like that. So it's kind of fun to just be able to kind of breathe new life into these things and make sure that this part of pop culture history still, you know, stays alive. Yeah, I really miss the the old arcades because I, I, you know, there was a place called Galactican that was uh, that's a cool name down. Yeah, very cool name down in West San Jose. And I remember my parents would just give me and a friend, you know, five bucks. And that was a lot of quarters and everything was a quarter at that time. And we'd go down and that was a good for about an hour, hour and a half before we kind of ran out or the miniature golf courses. Right. The mini golf courses oh, yeah. was fantastic because you played some mini golf, but they also had great arcades and over time, the arcades have shifted more to a, you know, push it, pull a handle and win tickets and, <laughs> and go get prizes, which is which is not as uh, not as entertaining. So uh, I was really thrilled. And I let your background on Zoom always has, you know, some type of video game stuff going on. I never know whether it's real or sort of an <laughs> image. Uh, what's your go to? You said you like fixing them up more, but give me your top three that if you had to play, like if you couldn't go with any other games, which three would you want to have by your side that you could play almost all the time? Okay. If I can only head it for three, yeah. it's going to be pretty easy. So Galaga for sure. It's okay. like a staple. Miss Pac-Man is always a staple. Uh, so those two, cause so I gotta, I'm picking like two more retro games. Cause like really I would have been in the arcade around the time where fighting games would have been popular. Things like street fighter and mortal Kombat, killer instinct, those kinds of games. So oh, I yeah. would probably pick two classics and one fighting game. So it'd probably be Miss Pac-Man Galaga and Street Fighter 2 because that was the first real fighting game I really got into and uh and I have I happen to have all three of those but uh but yeah those would be the ones those would be my go-tos if I if you only gave me three now if you gave me five I'd add a couple more but but that's we'll just go with that yeah we're going rule of three and, and you're, you're <laughs> I think you're slightly younger than I am so you know you do hit those I, I was out already by the time all those more modern fighting games and we're talking more like late 80s early you know early 90s for some yep. of those things but i was back with like double dragon and Ooh, you know, that's a good games. one though yeah that was that was a good one um i was trying to think because i knew i was going to ask you this question if i had to do three i would probably do moon patrol right? i always loved 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 the moon patrol that one and it was good at it right you want to do one that you know you can go a long way um joust Right. Oh gosh, you know, it's a great game just, too. And, and then that's one where you can either team up with with a friend, and you know the pterodactyl comes out, and you got to figure out how to kill it, which can be done. I think I've done it once or twice. Uh, and then Gauntlet. I always loved Gauntlet because that oh. was when you started getting more collaboration, and maybe it was ahead of its time. It was a four player at one time, and you picked a character, and every character was different. But now all gaming is is all you know multiplayer and collaborative. So I feel like that was a that was a you know, that was a stand-up arcade game that was a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah, well, you hit on something. So, and I, I promise not to take a long time on this, but something that I feel is missing and I wish my kids were able to experience it is what I remember about the arcades is people would be playing a game. Let's say it was a four-player game like Gauntlet and there was only two people playing at the time. Like you could join in and you're like, hey man, can I join in? And all of a sudden you're, you're kind of like interacting and having fun on this thing together 
versus how kids do it today, which is all like they don't see the person on the other side. Sometimes they don't even know the person on the other side where like it forced this social experience. It was a social experience that you had and you had to interact kind of like a blockbuster video store or whatever you want to say. Like those those experiences are getting taken away, <laughs> you know, more and more. And so I think that's the thing that I really miss the most out of it. And those four player games were awesome for that because it it like kind of you know, you, you kind of started this conversation with people you didn't know. Sometimes you made friends with them. So that's kind of the other part of it that I really miss. Yeah. And those kind of exploded because there was the the Simpsons four player. There was the X-Men four player. I mean, there were. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Right. So, so very much the, the collaborative thing. And, and I even miss, you know, competitive co-op with, with some of the, the, you know, the RPG games, some of the first person shooters that were a big thing, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you know, with, Halo on the Xbox, for example, you could join up and play with the same person. And now it's just, you know, you're a lone wolf and you're taking everybody else on. Although I guess Fortnite's kind of undone that, right? With Fortnite, you got teams and I don't know, that's probably more our kids, but um, it is. Yeah. Look well, there's a Kickstarter right now. There's a company. It's not quite a Kickstarter yet, but they're trying to modernize the way you play retro games so that you can play these games and use like your webcam and stuff so you can see each other ah. and, and other people can join in and kind of give like a lot of the social media things like a thumbs up or a clap or so yeah there's like this company trying to sort of bring back a physical element to it even though the physical location which was the arcade isn't around anymore so anyways but uh yeah there's a lot of exciting stuff retro is like really hot right now so yeah retro and even sports cards that's a whole nother thing you know my kids all of a sudden into sports cards and they're they're sold out at the at the local target. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. People like you mean crazy. like trading cards? Like trading cards, like football cards, baseball cards. He wanted to get some the other day because they're hot again and and they're huh. sold out. So it is, you know, again, it's the it's the pendulum, it's the circle, things keep keep coming back and forth. Uh, and watch how I do this wonderful segue. It does seem like everything is going very, very digital. I did not have this scripted um, <laughs> and less of a brick and mortar. And that brings us to what we really want to talk about today, which was was around some of the new things that are going on in Pure One and specifically the digital service catalog that we'll get to in a little bit here. I want to get your perspective, though, because as a systems engineer prior in your career at Pure, one of the things that you got to do was go show people, you know, Pure One features, but you you have a really interesting perspective on the evolution of Pure One and how, you know, there were things that we looked at in support that we thought could benefit customers. Can you share a little bit on your take on, on how Pure One has sort of evolved and gone from this internal thing to, look, we should share this with customers because it's going to help them know what's going on and on our side reduce support calls yeah i mean it, it was it was crazy back in 2015 to be able to show someone on on their cell phone that they could actually monitor their storage array or their fleet of storage arrays like that was an insane concept to think that you could present their data in that way so if someone was having a you know you could talk to someone and say oh you're going to bring an application online this weekend and maybe it was the director or something like that and he wasn't going to necessarily be at the data center or whatever to monitor that that person could be wherever they want seeing you know data load onto the system and monitor performance and capacity all from a remote place from a phone it was it was really kind of cool i mean at the time people were that was unheard of no one was doing this sort of um you know software as a service model for these monitoring tools around storage infrastructure so it was completely it was completely ahead of its time at that at the time but it didn't do nearly the things it does now but still just the fact that it was accessible from anywhere was a huge thing but then sort of the evolution of it was that a lot of the back-end services that sort of fed pure one 
were more support driven services, you know, like things like um, we would monitor the fleet of arrays and get the telemetry, you know, the call home data would, we say call home, but it's not calling home anymore, but you know what I mean? It's, we still call it call home, but it's not like there's retro a modem term, hooked up. Another, another yeah. retro venture. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not like there's a modem dialing up to, <laughs> but anyways, I don't know why we haven't dropped that, but uh, so yeah, so it was, we would, we would gather all this telemetry data from our fleet of systems and we moved from sort of this proactive support to predictive support because we started to deploy a bunch of artificial intelligence and machine learning techniques to say, hey, if you see a problem, let's fingerprint that problem. And then let's rate how critical that problem is. Is that something that could potentially cause you know, downtime or disruption to a customer? And if it, if it can, let's flag that thumbnail and then run an, run, a, run an analytics or not run, run a big data job against the whole fleet to say like, what systems are susceptible to this problem? Basically inform customers before it even happened and then solve the problem before it actually became a potential SEV1 event or you know something more critical. That was really, really neat. But we, we used that all in the back end. We didn't really expose any of those things. So little bits and pieces of data that we used to gather that would have been um, for maybe support purposes, we're using that machine learning and, um, and artificial intelligence techniques for other things. Like if we already have the data, why can't we tell someone what their capacity trend is or what their performance trend is, or even sort of help them predict if they brought on a new application, how that might impact the overall fleet of systems that they have. And then where's the best place to put it? So that stuff didn't exist when it first came out. It was just sort of a thought that, Hey, if we're already collecting all this data, and it's not like it's nothing that's sensitive. It's all just performance and capacity information. It's, we're not, it's not the actual data. Why couldn't we expose more, you know, intelligence to the end user and give them things like, you know, performance planning or capacity planning or reporting or analytics on their virtual machines? It was it was it. So it, it kept evolving, but it was definitely pushing the envelope as as to what, you know, you could do with tools like this, because I think a lot of other organizations out there used to kind of gather the data, but uh, maybe maybe it would be like a more archaic way of accessing it. Like they'd have a team come out on site and you'd be, they'd be like, just, you know, it'd be more of a professional services engagement yeah. where we were Monetized. like, yeah. yeah, we were like, hey, this should all be accessible for a customer. And if we put it in a way that's intuitive enough and there's not a lot of noise there, we strip out all the noise, then it could be really valuable. And it was, it was amazing. The result was really amazing because a lot of, you know, a lot of people were used to either paying for services to provide this kind of data, or it would just be really cumbersome to get it. So oftentimes it was at the margin of error. There was pretty wide where we, you know, you think about it, the machine already has the data. It's not like you're having to go and, and dig it up. So it was, it's, it's evolved a lot since, since I was in the field. And it's really cool to see some of the even newer stuff, like the service catalog that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like monitoring and provisioning are now table stakes, right? I mean, those are just things that you you need to and must provide at a minimum, but then what can you do more of, right? And proactive support was one of those. I remember when I joined Pure reading some of the, you know, some of the customer testimonials and there were always interesting quotes like, yeah, and somebody showed up on site and, you know, re replaced a module or, or, you know, swapped something out. And we didn't even know there was an issue, right? It was sort of sort of that predictive thing that goes into keeping the arrays running. And then all the work that, you know, that Farhan and the team have done with the workload planning and workload simulation. I mean, he he and I did a podcast like a year and a half ago when that was just started rolling out. And I, I, I just kind of looked at him crazily like, 
you're doing what? Like you're actually <laughs> analyzing, you're analyzing workload patterns and, and customers are trusting us, right? It's not like we were doing something, you know, illegal with the data. They were agreeing to let us look at it, but you're analyzing workload patterns. You can determine what type of application or what type of database that is and then enable people to go in and take a look at these what if sort of scenarios, right? Or to be alerted, right? And you know, the other ones, the capacity planning, uh, we're gonna run out or you're gonna run out, here's an alert. You know, you're at 90%, um, you, you better get some more capacity online. So um, super exciting. What is, so what's next, right? We talked about digital service catalog and that's really what I wanted to hone in on here and get some exposure because it really aligns with this sort of digital, you know, no longer brick and mortar type of experience. Everybody wants to go in and test things out and check things out and even, you know, shop or acquire services online. And that's what you you and the team in Pure One are delivering now with, with this DSC, with the digital service catalog. Tell us about it. Yeah, so so the, the goal was to sort of allow a customer to do, you know, as much as, as close to full self-service as possible. You know, that's like the, that's the end goal. Some of that stuff isn't fully there yet, but but the service catalog is there. It's new. It it does a lot. It does a lot to help customers. So you can actually go in there and you can order um, on premises block services. You can also order on premises uh, unified fast file and object services, which would be um, you know things like our FlashBlade product. And you can even order things like cloud native offerings with our Portworx product. And a newer thing that we haven't talked a lot about, you can even um, order professional services engagements from from the tool now. When you go in and sort of initiate the process, you you can you can click through the service catalog and it kind of guides you as to you know what workloads meet what service offerings and things like that. So it kind of helps to guide you as to what you what you kind of need. Uh, but the thing is, so it, it's still sort of in a traditional sense. If I'm ordering something for on premises, it, it does it generates a quote from that point, and I'm giving it a little bit of information about what I need. It does it is transparent in the cost of what you're asking for. Right. Uh, but there is a human inner element to it still. The only part of it that's sort of uh, eliminated from a little bit of the human element is the the couple of performance block offerings we have in Amazon AWS and Microsoft Azure. We just added Azure not that long ago. It was, I want to say it's only a couple weeks old now. So those two things do they direct you? They do sort of direct you through Pure One to those uh, respective respective marketplaces, and then you and you complete the transaction from there. Uh, but the goal would be eventually, you know, can we make it so that you can order it? Uh, you can track it, you know, you see, you see the thing leave uh, our facility and it's on its way to you and you can actually track it all the way, all the way through. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but that's, that's sort of one of the goals that, that we're looking towards. And a lot of that's just based on customer feedback. They want things simple and easy and they, they've been experiencing this with cloud service providers yeah. like the hyperscalers for a while. So it's, it's like, Hey, can you guys help us uh, by sort of simplifying some of this, some of these, you know, ordering tasks, if we already know what we want. And the great thing is, is Pure One, when, when you kind of think about Pure One Meta, which is the AI engine, and you pair that with the service catalog, if, if a lot of that data is there, it can potentially start to um, help even further automate the process by going, hey, you actually need this. Because right now it, it can tell you what you need, but it doesn't actually initiate an order at that point, but it could, you know, it could in the future. Yeah, yeah, the automation piece. No, but I like that you you fleshed out a little bit around the cloud-like experience, right? Because anybody that's using one of the hyperscalers, this is how they transact, right? This, you know, mm -hmm. you spin things up and you spin things down, and there's not these lengthy cycles with a lot of paperwork and a lot of people. And again, we're not entirely removing the human element from it, but it is great to recognize that there are certain aspects of our business and how we can transact and how we can engage 
that we can automate and provide more of a self-service discovery. We can empower users to go and explore. And I think when I looked at it, there's also information on all these things too, right? So it's not just done in a vacuum. You can, you know, look at a professional service as an example, just because I'm picking one out and go, okay, what is this, you know, what is this service and what does this deliver to me and check it out. And you've got those built in for, for everything that's on there, right? Yeah. So there's key features of each service. There's use cases of each service. So like, for instance, if it was a performance block, so if it was like for database workloads, it'll tell you, Hey, these are the databases that we, that we would support under this particular service. So, you know, SAP HANA, MySQL, Oracle, DB2, whatever it might be. And then there's, um, there's also documentation in each of the services within the service catalog. And then there's even pricing. So it, it basically gives you everything you need. Um, and there's, and there is a portion of our customer base that's been a customer of peers for a while. They feel comfortable enough that, that some of them are really, really open to this because they're like, look, a lot of times we already know what we need. Uh, so they've like really, um, dove deep into peer one. They understand it really well. They're looking at the capacity planning, performance planning all the time and reporting. So like for them, it's just, oh, I already know how to utilize the tools to my, the best of my ability. So I kind of know what I need. So I'm going to go and do that. And then it just kind of, it, it definitely just follows the direction that everything is going, right? I mean, look at, I was thinking about it while, you know, while we're still dealing with quarantine and, and, and COVID-19 and all these things going on right now, um, it made me even double down more so on these services that's like grocery delivery or, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it's crazy how many of these services, I mean, I don't know about in your area, Rob, I would imagine it's like it is here. We have an Amazon distribution center here. I can order something and a lot of times get it the same day I order it. Like, that's insane to me. Like, could you imagine as a kid, if you, if you were like, Oh, remember waiting as a kid for like six weeks for stuff or eight weeks, like it's insane to me that you can order something and have it there the same day. Uh, so the, the whole like, you know, culture around this is changing. So, you know, we, we, we definitely have to have similar abilities within, um, you know, within the pure, you know, pure ecosystem. So, so I, I think it's really cool. Will every customer use it? I don't, I don't know if every customer will use it, but I think there's a, um, a good portion of customers that are very open to this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, the digital experience is definitely the way to go. And this is, this is a great example of that. Yeah. No, to your point on the, the ability to deliver thing, I realized the other night I was out of cat food. Right. And I just was like, you know, click, click, click. And, and, you know, <laughs> I knew crazy. the next day I had more cat food for the poor, the poor two cats who had to, you know, go without <laughs> breakfast one morning, but they'll, they'll be fine. You know, it's not like they're in good shape. They're, they're cats. So they're fat and they're overweight, but um, yeah. And, and, and I think it is important that you mentioned that there will be many of kind of our, you know, customers that are comfortable and on the edge and, and that will engage and just jump right into this you know, and others that are a little bit more conservative, right? That, that maybe, you know, don't want to or, or need to see how it works. And that's fine, right? At least it's there and, uh, and, and has rolled out. The rollout is, is, uh, is out there, right? So if somebody refreshes or upgrades Pier 1, that's, this is going to show up as an option for them, yes? Yeah, if they log into Pier 1 right now and they haven't logged in in a while, they'll see, they'll see the service catalog. We, we, we put this little new tick mark next to the new, new items that we're going to leave for some period of time. Uh, while they're still kind of new, but yeah, if you were, if you were to go there right now, you'd see the service catalog as a new item and you'd see, um, there's some new, um, new options under support where you can, um, do a little bit more on your, you can go a little bit deeper on, um, your support cases and you can actually initiate the upgrade of, uh, one of your systems. So we're, we're trying to, that's another thing. That's like a future item. We're trying to go in and really start automating, 
upgrades, you know, like you would your iPhone, you you kind of see it says, hey, there's a there's an upgrade available. Do you want to do it now or later on at night? We'd like to get to we'd like to get it there. Now you can schedule it through uh, through the system. So that's new. So that's something new that you can do in Pier 1 now. You can actually schedule your upgrade and everything. And it'll even tell you, like, it does some of the pre-flight checks in the tool itself. It'll actually tell you what version, you know, that you should be going to. It's pretty neat. But, you know, the plan is to tie that in even more, you know, kind of recommend recommend versions of code for customers based on what we see is going on in the system. You know, leveraging that pure, the pure, um, the pure one um, meta API even more, or AI, sorry. Um, what, what about subscription-based things, right? So pure as a service being something that, that can be done through this, does this make it much more easy to understand your subscriptions if you have multiple or different ones to, to be able to just have a centralized place where you can see where you stand with all those subscriptions that you might have? Yeah, so we've, we've I'd say over the last um, maybe two years, we're, we're having a lot of customers that are starting to do things more as a service oriented versus, you know, they're using op- OpEx versus CapEx. And so they're doing what's called pure as a service, which is sort of this, you're more of a pay as you go model. So you can, you can um, track both your subscriptions for your pure as a service, you know, more of the newer OpEx type stuff and your traditional CapEx purchases all in the same place. So mm-hmm. you can manage that and you can also see your support contracts. So you can see all your support contracts and then you can see any subscriptions you have for pure as a service. So it's, it's really cool. Like that's all new, um, newer stuff. We've, we just started that not that long ago. You can go in there. It tells you when you activated it, it tells you what your current usage is. It'll even tell you, you know, data reduction. It, it, it's, it's really good. Like it, it goes pretty deep in there. So I'd encourage anybody that's, that's listening to this. If you haven't gone in, and checked out some of these new services in Pier One. There, we're adding them all the time. We definitely have a lot of rapid development going on, so there's constantly new features popping up. That's fantastic. Well, and that's also kind of a good good place to wrap, since you uh, you, you kind of pointed people to go in and check that out. But before we before we go anywhere else that, that you want to send folks for more information, obviously the website, you know, purestorage.com/pier1 for that. But anything else that you think would be interesting to to highlight uh, for people that want to go learn more around this? Yeah, definitely the Pier One landing page on um, on our website is great. Uh, I'm trying to roll in everything into the, you know, everything that new that we're doing. And I'm even trying to go back and cover some of the things is the digital bytes, uh, sort of, I, I calling it a podcast, but it's not, it's sort of a podcast. It's more of a web series, you know, a YouTube series, but you go, go to the YouTube, you know, go to the pure storage YouTube channel. There's a playlist called digital bytes. You can watch, watch it there. And, uh, yeah. And also the great thing is what I'd like to encourage is people go watch it and comment. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking for comments and it's tough. I think when you when you're doing anything on a corporate YouTube channel, I, I really feel that it tends to be one direction and I want to try to encourage it to not be one direction, because I, I think a lot of times it lo- it's like we're presenting to a customer or a partner and, and that no, no one's talking back. But I'm want, I'm looking at it like I really want people to, to comment back because maybe because someone said, hey, on your next episode, I'd love it if you covered how subscriptions work in Pure One. And, I, and then I would do that. So. Uh, so I'm really, really hoping that I can, and, and it's hard, right? Cause I'm doing this grassroots. I'm trying to get it started. It's at the ground level. It's not at the maturity level of your podcast, right? Like you have people that watch this and hopefully they'll go watch digital bites, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I really would like it if we can get that dialogue going and don't treat it as just a presentation outbound that I'm really, I'm really looking for feedback. So, so hopefully we can do this, do some of that. And then I think it would be, I, I, I really want to thank the, we have an awesome 
group of engineers working on the Pier One product. Like, I hope that if they are listening to this, they realize that, look, we're the ones that are outbound talking about it, but they're really creating all of this awesome stuff for our customers and partners to enjoy. So hopefully, you know, you realize these, these, these resources are working nonstop to try to make this the best tool possible. So just, I wanted to thank them for all their hard work. Cause you know, they're kind of like the unsung heroes, they're writing code in the background and they often don't get recognized. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, I always love recognizing the extended teams or the core teams that are behind all the innovations that we do uh, here at Pure. Well, hey, Ralph Ronzio, thanks for coming on and, and uh, for folks listening, go check out his new program on YouTube. Go check out Digital Bytes and engage, have a conversation. He wants to hear from you. Engage with Ralph. Uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a great dude and super inquisitive and uh, wants to get your feedback genuinely. So uh, go engage, check out those episodes. And uh, I think we're going to do one soon too, right? You're going to get yep, me on yep. there? Maybe? Get, yep. You're coming over. Yeah, we're, oh, we're, all right. yeah, definitely. We'll talk about my day job since, uh, since the podcast definitely is not, but uh, that'll be fun. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, thanks cool. for coming on Ralph. I really appreciate the time. All right. Thanks Rob. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. And thanks out there, everybody else for listening and for subscribing. Please Tell a friend, tell a colleague, and keep sending your feedback in. We'll keep having great guests like Ralph on to the program. With that, we will wrap for Pure Storage and Ralph Ronzio. This is Rob Lumen saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.